When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's not about me and what I'm delivering. It's about my client and helping my client get to where they want to be. That's what's valuable. My client that's sitting right in front of me is valuable. Their goal is valuable. That's what I should be focusing on. All right. Welcome back to the Design Huddle. We have an amazing guest. My dear friend, Melinda, if, if you follow Design Huddle for a while, she's been on the podcast before, so we don't have a ton of returning guests. We maybe have three or four returning guests. She might be the fourth returning guest, which is super exciting because I always like to think of like Design Huddle is like my baby. I've grown it. Like now, like my family is getting bigger, the community that I care so much about. Um, but thank you for joining. It's so good to have you. So if everyone that doesn't know you, how would you describe yourself? Oh, everyone that doesn't know me, I'm a graphic designer turned brand strategist turned yes. educator. Love That's it. how I would describe it. It's a classic career choice, but that is the undersell of the century. She's the founder and creative director um, at Marks & Maker. She has this unbelievable class that we're going to talk about for anybody looking to you know level up and you know hopefully get over their imposter syndrome. We're going to be talking a lot about that today. And we're also going to talk a little bit about just like her career path. Um, one of my favorite things about Melinda is she comes from a background where she's worked at like Oakley and Paramount Pictures and some other companies. And then she actually ventured out and started, you know, her own venture, Marks and Maker, which is a super cool company. They've worked with some awesome companies. So I also want to pick her brain about that. It was just like an update because um, I'll link out in the show notes our previous episode. This will just kind of be an update. Since then, not a lot has changed. The world basically just burned to the ground and we're year two of a global pandemic. But other than that, things are going great. <laughs> so Melinda, let me let me uh, let me put you on the spot for a second. Um, what was like, what are you most proud of in the last year? Like, what, what do you what's something that you've accomplished that you're most proud of? I love this question, because it's actually not directly to do with me. It's my students. And it's the wins and the transformations that I've seen my students go through because I transferred, pivoted my business from being a graphic designer, working on brand identity to brand strategy. I had found a process that worked for me, a way of thinking about it, a mindset shift. But that worked for me and I wasn't necessarily sure if it was going to work for anyone else. And so when I started teaching others how to do the same thing, up their rates, work on bigger projects, work on bigger branding projects... I didn't know if it was going to work for somebody else or how to make it work for somebody else. And over the past, it's been almost two years since I um, started teaching on my process and then helping others make that transition. Um, they have had massive wins. Like a couple of our students who are now coaches in the course, um, their client that they worked on, uh, this, this branding project, their client got on Dragon's Den, which is the UK version of Shark Tank and one investment. So cool. So that was that's one awesome. that's like right at the tip of my my memory is like, I'm proud of them. Like I'm super, super proud of them. <laughs> and the fact that I get to be a part of their growth and journey. Yeah, that's cool. So let's, let's talk a little bit about that. So Marks and Maker is, was your branding 
uh, agency. Is that a good way to describe it? Or is it, I mean, it's more yeah, than consultancy. that. Yeah. Consultancy. Yeah. Um, and you launched a brand strategy one-on-one course. So if you go to marksandmaker.com, it actually takes you here. So anybody listening that wants to check it out, um, there's a ton of people that are, uh, a lot of our listeners are very interested in brand strategy for a lot of reasons. I think people that can storytell and communicate are some of the most important people to build a company and build a brand today. So this course, I feel like is like perfect for those type of people to sink their teeth into. So, um, what is the core? What do you get from the course? So if you sign up and get started, like what can you walk away with, you know, by the end of the six days? Yeah. So the, the brand strategy 101 course is really giving just a crash course of like, what is this? How to, how, what's brand strategy according to Melinda? Cause you can go get a different definition from yeah. somebody else, but how is it that I see it? But then also what are the mindset shifts that need to happen if that is something that you're interested in? So by the end of it, hopefully, you'll end up with a new uh, new mindset and a new lens on what it is and understanding of it, but then potentially also things that you might have to change in yourself to get to that point. So that's the, um, that's the free 101 course. And then I have like a deeper dive of someone who was like, yes, this is for me. I want to do this. I want to learn with a community and coaches. Um, then we have the boot camp for that. That's great. Um, let's talk a little bit about like, cause I like that you're getting like, like the skills of being a brand strategist and everything that comes with it, but you're also getting into like the mindset, which I think is the most limiting thing for a lot of people where you think you need X degree to go get X job, or you need like this portfolio to get started. And I think, you know, for lack of a better way of describing it, the world is getting flatter in terms of jobs we can get. So. What is, what do you think the biggest blocker is for people's mindset for not being able to like take the dive and maybe do a, a career pivot or, or jump into something like this? Yeah, one of, I, there's multiple things that can get in the way. One of the things that I'm seeing consistently and that I have felt myself too, is that whenever they want to make a huge pivot in their career, they immediately think they don't know enough to get started. So they're like, okay, I need to go study for years. I need to go get the certifications. I need to go get the validation from if it's a mentor or something outside of themselves to feel like they have enough to try. The thing is, though, it's a knowledge trap. They end up getting stuck in this knowledge trap and then they there's no end point. Like when is the time that they're actually going to feel confident enough to go out and experiment and potentially fail? But then to learn from those mistakes, and I think the fear of failure, the knowledge trap, like I'm seeing those things are preventing people from actually moving forward, even if they have enough knowledge, they just don't know that they have enough to go out and fail right now. And you want to fail because you want to learn from those mistakes so that you can iterate and get better the next time. So I think that's the biggest thing that I'm seeing from people. Yeah, I mean, that, that's so powerful. And like, I, I totally relate to that too. Like I've had a lot of like twists and turns, like a lot of the self doubt, joining a new team, you always like, you know, the, the ramp up and the doubting of yourself is, is so big, but um, that's cool. I like that you're bringing in, like, there's so much, um, especially with like the current world we live in is like a lot of times like mental health and like just talking about like how we're feeling and like the emotional side of being um, a, like a, an effective coworker, strategist, uh, person in, in corporate America, for lack of a better way of describing it, it's like, um, it needs to be talked about more. So I love that we're kind of going both. You're getting the skill set, but you're also talking about like ways to energize yourself to overcome some like hurdles that you can easily break down. So the, the one thing that like 
you know, we've talked to a few other brand strategists on Design Huddle, and you know, the definition obviously varies greatly of like what a brand strategist does. In, in, in from your perspective, like what would be the ideal anatomy of a brand strategist? So if it's like a hundred percent like of X, like so is it like twenty five percent self starter? 50% like graphic, you know, like rock star graphic designer. Like what is the anatomy of a perfect brand strategist Ooh. in your eyes? Ooh, I haven't thought about this before. The first thing that when you asked that question, the first thing that came to my mind was emotional intelligence, self-awareness yes. and emotional intelligence, because I'm realizing that the more and more I can know and be aware of myself as a human, that's it. Just what am I, how do I handle my emotions? what am I into? What catches my attention? And I start noticing that in myself, but then also am able to understand that in other people. That's when we can be a really good brand strategist. So I would say a very large percentage would be taken up of emotional intelligence and self-awareness. Because if we're trying to help a brand and a business connect emotionally with a customer, we need that. We absolutely need that. So I, I would say that is like the top, the top thing. How do you improve your own emotional intelligence? Got a therapy. Like, what are some ways that you can make be like get better? Like, you know what I mean? It's not something that like you can take a course, yeah. I guess, and like read about emotional intelligence. But that yeah. is a skill that I feel like is actually like it, it's so powerful, and I totally agree with you. But it's also something that's not as like go take X course. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Any it tips has to there? Do a, yeah, it has to do a lot with uh, vulnerability, learning how to accept your own less than perfect human humanity that you have. So whatever you need to do to get to that point, whether it's go read Brene Brown's book, go talk about it with some friends. Um, look at, look into mindfulness, mindfulness, meditation, go to therapy. I highly, highly suggest therapy for people to, to really, but, but go with an open heart um, that wanting to actually learn about yourself, not just so that you can, get the right things to say, the right things to do, but um, really go on like a self-discovery adventure. I love that. I mean, it's like, it's simple, but it's so, it's so true. Um, I'm also like, yeah, echoing pro therapy. Everyone needs to look inward, improve, like self-improvement is something that is like consistently overlooked. Um, so the one thing that I, I know I mentioned in our brief intro so you worked, I guess like you graduated, graduated from college. Your first job was at Oakley. Is that right? Yes. Yes, it was. Oakley. So you kind of got your, you know, you started learning graphic design. So you started as a graphic designer. When did you start to shift to saying like, all right, I can do like, you know, the visual aspects, the responsibilities of being a graphic designer. When did you find that passion for like brand strategy? Yeah, I had a, I had a slow progression into getting into brand strategy where I started off as a, a what, what do they call it? Like a, the generalist graphic designer. I did everything and wh whatever it was that they needed. I did that with clients as well as Oakley. But then I got moved into a specific department that was just brand. So we did anything that was particular to the brand, not, not for advertising or marketing. So we, we worked with the product team. Uh, we worked on branding. We worked on all the different sub brands. And then I was getting interested in that. And then I moved into strategy. Um, when I learned about it, 
for my coach, Christo. And he's like, I think this is the thing that's missing for you. If you look into this, learn this, I think this is going to open up a lot for you. And I didn't know what he was talking about. And I went and learned it. And I'm like, oh, this is what you're talking about. This is the missing piece that answered all these questions of how, how do I know that what I create is actually going to move the needle for my client's business and not just be a, a vanity request because they feel like their, their business or their website, it looks outdated, but that they actually need it to get more customers or get a particular type of customer. And they have more ways of measuring the results of that. I, I didn't know even how to have those conversations. And so learning brand strategy, as well as all the things that that brought with it, um, opened my eyes up too. Yeah. I'm, so Lots. just like kind of pick your brain a little bit further on the Christo front. I know he's been like a mentor to you. For those of you that don't know, Melissa's also, um, actively was a co-host on the future. Are you still involved with the future at all? Um, I haven't been just cause I've been focusing on your uh, own business. Yeah. Building. But yeah, for a long time, long running co-host of the future, which is just like an amazing um, like video podcast show. I mean, there's a lot of ways you could describe it, but um, any creative professional that any creative professional, anybody that's an entrepreneur, anyone that just like wants to learn how to run a more effective business, it's a phenomenal resource. So I believe on your, you can just Google the future with, and like you'll find, you'll see Melinda and um, most, if not, most of the episodes. So my question to you, Melinda, that's just like background for anyone that's not familiar. It's like one of my all time favorite uh, YouTube channels slash shows. Um, how did you meet Christo? How did like that relationship start? And like, what does he, what did he, what does he mean to you? Yeah. Uh, well, originally I thought, so I was at that time right before I learned what brand strategy was and I was having difficulty growing my brand identity business at the time. And I thought I had this assumption that if I were to get better at my craft, if I were to get better at creating logos and design, that then the clients would come. And so I focused on whatever I could to get better at design. And, and then he had posted um, some design uh, challenge, you could say. It was about how to design a better logo on Facebook. And I came across it and I'm like, okay, I can do this. And knowing that he was a teacher from art center. He had went to art center. I'm like, well, he's giving all this information away for free. I might as well do it because that like, then I can really know how to, how to hone my craft. And from doing that, I really put a lot of time and effort into that. And in doing that, he reached out to me and was like, who are you? Why are you doing this? Because my work was good. And so he's like, I don't understand why you're working on this because it's really good. It's not like you have that much area to improve and grow. So what's going on? What's going on with your business? And then in, in talking with me, found out it just wasn't where I, I wanted it to be at. And then we just, we hit it off as far as like mentor, mentee, and we had good chemistry with our conversations and whatnot. And then he invited me. He's like, listen, I'll coach you if you agree to, you know, we'll record it. And if you agree to it, we'll post it on YouTube and we'll just see how it goes. So he's That's like, so there's cool. no commitment. We'll just see. Yeah. And, um, and it works out really well. So working with him completely changed my lens of like, I had the lens focused on me. I had the lens on like, I need to get better. I need, I'm not enough. And in working with him, I realized that I was, it was, it was, it was a self-centered viewpoint that I had because it was all about me. And it wasn't about how can I be there for my client? What is my client trying to do? Where are they trying to go in their business? And 
can my skills and my creative problem solving help them get there? If not, I can refer them elsewhere, but it's about them, not about me. And I think that was the biggest mindset shift I had in being coached by him. Yeah, that, that I, I love. That. I've never heard that story. I also, I think it's so cool that um, you also took on a role of being super vulnerable, right? You were kind of like being a mentor and mentee is like you're. It's in a lot of ways, it tends to be like a very private thing, right? Like you ask questions that like sometimes you think is like, oh, is that like a dumb question? Like, does my mentor think like? Do so you have these constant questioning of yourself? And um, am I the right fit? Am I am I doing too much? Not enough? But you were able to do that and like broadcast it, which I give you so much credit for. Like, I don't think a lot of people um, like would be able to do that. So I guess like simple question, like, do you go back and watch those videos? Like, how do you feel about that? Like watching yourself on camera, especially like more early episodes? Uh, yeah, no, I don't. Um, once in a great while, I'll like peek at the videos because I think they're they're using some of the videos <laughs> as shorts on YouTube and so I'm like oh that's me I oh. Think I, yeah I think I've seen you on shorts like I don't know if they're if you're on TikTok yet but I'm sure you're resurfacing more and more <laughs> yeah and I'll see those and I'm like oh wow <laughs> I was thinking a lot different than I do today but it is so cool when I do come across those clips I don't go to the full video because I'm like I don't have oh I don't I don't have it in me to do that but when I come across those clips, it's such a great reminder of where I was and the progress that I've made and how I think and go about things now compared to what I used to. So I'm grateful for those because it's a timestamp of where I was, but also it's a contrast of where I am now. Yeah. The personal growth is like, you know, it's gotta be so cool to look back and see. I think about that all the time of like simple things like documents, presentations, videos that I used to do. And now it's just like, you know, a lot of it is just repetition practice. And so much of it is confidence, which I think a lot of it was just proving to yourself that you could do it. Um, the other cool thing is that if you think about it, like that, your content has probably been viewed by millions at this point, um, at least probably well over that at this point, but that's gotta be so cool that there's someone out there that watched that video that you inspired that you don't even know about, but you could have changed the course, like the direction of like their career path of their life by just like sh making, putting yourself out there. So like the, the spillover benefits of like making yourself vulnerable and taking that risk and asking Chris and like saying yes, which is the other thing that we didn't even talk about is like you saying yes to, yeah, let's broadcast <laughs> our me being your, you know, getting mentored by you. So, so many cool things from that story. I just like wanted to kind of like circle back on that. Um, Chris is obviously just the person for design and business on YouTube now. Like, I think when I first met him, he was like on this like upward trajectory and now it's just like straight up. But I think you were a big part of that. I think that show was so huge in like getting the name out there. And his personality really came through too. Like, I think, um, like the two of you, I agree, like the chemistry piece that you mentioned just was like someone like that, that the first episode I ever came in contact with Christo was one of the episodes with you. And I think without oh, you wow. there to lower the bar, um, and like make it a little bit more approachable. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know that I would have been following like in the long term. So kudos to you. Like, I think it was like, that was like my first interaction with you. And I'm like, super impressed with like how much content the two of you were able to put out. Cause I know it was like an inspiration for a ton of people. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. So 
that's also just like my passion coming through because I do just like love talking future Christo like that time. But let's talk about now and the future because I think like that set you up to where you're currently at. So, um, I, I think of you as like a very entrepreneurial person from the conversations we've had in the past, and. I'd love to just talk about like, what was the process when you said, I want to venture on my own. I really feel like I have the confidence to start something. So can you talk about like how you came up with Mark's Marks and Maker and like, like how you grew the business the first year? Like, I'd love to hear about the struggles that first year, like in like kind of the emotional roller coaster that you were probably going through. Oh yeah. This is a great question. Cause, um, I got laid off. And they had dissolved the creative department that we had. I mean, there was tons of people and they were doing restructuring the business. And so our department got restructured and dissolved. And so I secretly for years had wanted to go off on my own. And I was like, I got to do this. I got to do this. And I was too chicken to just quit and do it because I was getting paid really well was working on massive projects that had huge budgets. So it's like, you can design something that you're actually gonna see out in the world. That's pretty exciting. And there were amazing people there. So it was really hard to leave all of that to then go start my own thing where I don't know how I would make this work. So when I did get laid off, um, there was, it was a mix of total excitement and also complete terror because I didn't know how to keep it sustainable. Like, how do you get a business to be at a sustainable place where you're getting leads in, you're getting projects in on a consistent basis? And I had freelance clients at that point, but not enough to replace my full-time income. So when I got laid off, I'm like, okay, I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to do it. And I got a freelance gig at, um, at an agency that my friend worked at for a month just to like, okay, well, I just got this gig. And let me see how this goes. And then I thought to myself, okay, or is this what you're going to do for the rest of your life? Just go hop from agency to agency, gig to gig, project to project. Like, is this the type of life that you want? So I would say I was there for a month or two. And then I really started thinking about, okay, what do I really want for the future? And how am I going to make that happen? And I decided that I needed to have some sort of business besides just myself as a freelancer. So that's where I came up with Marks a Maker which I struggled with, like, do I have it my name? Do I call it another name? What name is it going to be? People are going to mix it up with Maker's Mark and they're not going to remember <laughs> what it is, which it has happened. And you know what? It's fine. And it didn't, it didn't ruin my business. It's worked fine. And I, cause I know that's a hang up for a lot of people of like, but I don't know what to call it. It's like, just slap a name on it and get to work, like just start. And so I had decided I'm going to focus on getting brand identity clients. That's my goal. I'll take other stuff to pay the bills but that's my goal and that's what I'm gonna put out into the world. And so it took me probably until, so I got laid off in July of 2015 and it took me until about April of 2016 to get Marks and Maker site up, to get case studies up, to present myself as, hey world, this is what I'm doing. In the meantime, I had little projects coming in. Like I was doing dental marketing. I was doing um, like setting up, uh, projects for print for some print shops. So I had stuff coming in at that point, but it was definitely not going to sustain me over the long haul. So again, that's why I focused on that. But the first year was like, uh, 
it was a lot of like, are you going to make this happen? Or are yeah. you going to go back to a full-time job? Because you got to decide right now where you're going to put your energy. And I'm like, no, i got to make this work. I've been wanting to do this for years. This is my chance. Love so, it. So I did. I mean, that motivation, there's not, I mean, the, the layoff, you know, obviously you made uh, silver lining. You literally were able to start your own company. So it kind of forced like, a little bit of a forced behavior to get there. But um that's awesome how good did it feel to get that first paycheck like out on your own like that you earned and you built and like you're able to get like did you do anything that's fun to celebrate that no i feel like i was just like okay you got this keep going like you you got paid <laughs> always the food on the is. table yeah, yeah and i wasn't really concentrated on like oh look at this is the first dollar that i've made it was like Oh, good. You've proved that you can survive a month outside of a full-time job. Congratulations. <laughs> like, keep it up. It's so funny. So, yeah, uh, just so yeah, motivated, too, did. that no time to put the 20 in the little glass case behind <laughs> the cash register, just, like, onto the next client, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's super cool. Um, also very inspiring, too, because it's, like, a lot of people have that. Now we're, you know, with... Gen Z, like being an entrepreneur, I think is like our entrepreneurial careers is so popular and there's so many people that want to do it. Um, I think it's like other people struggle with making the jump, but like that generation is just like wired to do it. So I think that's actually like one of mm -hmm. my favorite things like I want to learn from Gen Z is just like they are open to discovery and like finding out and like taking those risks. So yeah, that, that story like totally like, um, it's very, it's very relatable in a lot of ways of just like, even it just like, we just took it to switching a job, but totally investing in yourself, I think is always something that, um, I would love to do as well. Um, I did want to like quickly ask, you're like blowing up on Instagram, right? You got 43,000 followers. Um, you're crushing it. And I saw that you pivoted to the very popular content slides, which is, you know, I was just taking a peek in the background, like thousand plus likes on most of them. Brilliant. I'd love to talk about like a little bit, if you had one or two tips for people, I kind of took a long detox, but I'd love to like, I'm kind of trying to get back into Instagram after being away for a while. Any tips to grow your Instagram account now? Um, and like, what have you done to change how you brand yourself on like social? Yeah. Um, gosh, now I feel like algorithm algorithms have changed so much recently that, uh, although I get really good engagement, growing it has been proving to be more difficult over time, but I feel like I've had, had a love hate relationship, especially with Instagram and all social media, um, that I have to create content for. And so what I've been trying to concentrate on is putting out content that I actually enjoy sharing like I literally enjoy sharing it. And instead of, oh, I got to, you know, find something to teach today or I don't know, like following all the Instagram tips, I'm, I, I don't have the energy for that. And so I thought, what am I already doing that I could share with other people that would be helpful for them? And so I have a strategy at the moment of sharing what's going on in my boot camp and what people are learning and how they're reaching their goals. Cause I'm like, those are such inspiring stories. And I know people benefited from hearing my story and my vulnerability and my students are okay with me sharing those things. And so I've been sharing my student stories and I would say like any tips would be what excites you, like lean into that. And if you're finding that you're resisting what people are telling you to do on Instagram to grow your following, 
pay attention to that. Why does it frustrate you? What is it about it that you hate? Awesome. Now you know that. Go do the thing that excites you. And so I would say, like, be aware of why you're feeling that resistance and that you don't just need to overcome that feeling of frustration and do the things that you're being told to do. Like, find what excites you and the thing that you want to share and lean into that and you will find your people. Like, the people that are meant to connect with what you do, they'll come. That's what I would say. And not worry about the numbers. Yeah. I think everyone gets a little too hung up on on the numbers, but um, that's great advice. Are you... Like in terms of strategy, I think the other thing that people get bogged down by is that there's so many places to post content. Like, so I know a lot of the strategy is just like really doubling down where your audience is and like focusing on maybe one, two or three at the most. Um, is there a place where you allocate your time? Do you kind of just use like a buffer and blast your content across everywhere? Like what's your, what's your like general strategy there? Um, I used to, but it, it just felt scattered to me. And so I pulled back and I've only been concentrating on Instagram because I figured, well, that I've already built a following there. I don't mind showing up there. It's somewhere I like to, to converse with people and be engaged with people there. So I don't mind doing that. Um, and so, no, I don't pre-plan things. I see a story I want to share. I quickly screenshot it. I share it in stories and then I reshare it as a post. Like I'm trying to put in less action with more impact. I'm trying to find the things that will just give more impact, but that are not going to eat away at my energy or my thinking. Um, and so that's what I've been. It's been more in the moment stuff. I'd like to be more planned out, but at the moment, that's what's going on. No, that's, that's, I'm kind of the same way. I think that makes total sense. Uh, follow Melinda. It's Melinda Livesey at, or no, at it's Instagram. <laughs> just follow her. I'll link it in the show notes. Um, I think, from the, yeah, I just clicked. You, you can link. She links out to the brand strategy course and the brand strategy bootcamp too. So that's an easy way to get it. I'll grab these links so we can put them in the um, the show notes as well. The one thing I wanted to uh, like pick your brain a little bit just to kind of circle back on the brand strategy bootcamp. Um, like how how into the weeds like. Are you, is the course structure where you're getting like learning from like examples of clients you've had in the past? Like, can you talk about like the framing of like how the content was created? Yeah. So we do, um, first off lessons. So video lessons, as far as how to sell it, how to do a workshop, how to do a roadmap and actually show like, here are the pitfalls that you might run into or roadblocks. Um, here's generally what you want to get out of this. And so we, we have a teaching portion. So a lesson that I do. Then we have two client examples that were completely recorded. So the entire workshop was was recorded of two of my clients. And then I show what we created afterwards. So the roadmaps that were, were created from that. Um, and then in there, there's group coaching. And this is the big part that I'm finding is, is the, uh, what is it? The catalyst, I would say that helps people make that transition in their mindset, especially is that we encourage people to partner up and then to practice the workshop with another person in the boot camp and do strategy for that person in their business. So if you can do strategy for another strategist, you could probably do strategy for anybody. And the cool part is, is that we give them templates and here's the process that you can use. But we really try to encourage people to like go with your intuition and your gut and your curiosity. And if you want to follow something like ditch the framework, 
that's just there as a tool. And if you need to adjust it, that's fine. But follow your curiosity to help the other person understand who they are and what their business is and who they can attract and make an emotional connection with and want to work with. And it's been really fun to see that clients who are in the, or sorry, strategists who are in the client position, they can then feel what it's like and raise their emotional intelligence. They can feel what it's like to be a client and be asked those questions and realize, oh, this is how they might feel when I ask them this question. Oh, this is what it's like to think about your customer and the journey that they're going to go through when interacting with your business. And I've seen such transformation in people who partner up. Um, so we, we um, encourage them to do that too and provide the community for that. Yeah, I, I love that for a lot of reasons. One is that having a partner or a community, you get that accountability. I've taken so many online courses in the past year plus, and I struggle to complete all of them, mainly due to the fact that there is no community. It's just like on me to log in, watch the video, take the course, some sort of like engagement every once in a while. But that lack of community and accountability, I, I think is another word for it. Um, it's huge. So I love that the program is anchored on that. And I agree that if you can build a strategy for a strategist, like, like everything else should be super easy. Um, so I wanted to talk, pick your brain a little bit about like becoming a teacher. Like you went from like, you know, brand strategist working with clients and now you're transitioning, you built a curriculum that we just talked about. You're managing students, you're, you're getting other people to kind of support you and take on different tasks. But like, I love, I want to hear about like the educator piece. It seems like it would come natural to you from like, you're very good at explaining things. Um, I feel like a brand strategist, you, we keep talking about emotional intelligence. So I feel like the best teachers have a high emotional intelligence, but, um, how, how's that transition been? Um, it's, it's been a somewhat natural transition. I used to teach piano when I was younger. So oh, nice. from age 16 to 22, so we just I, don't, I hope circle. I didn't screw this. <laughs> yeah. I hope I didn't screw them up too bad, but, um, <laughs> but I, I've always. I've had that in me and my mom was a teacher and um, I, it just felt like a natural progression. And so I was actually sharing my process behind the scenes of, Hey, this is how I'm working with clients. And I started a newsletter years ago, probably in 2017, 2018, when I started being coached by Chris, just sharing my process. Like, Hey, this is what I'm doing. But it really was like a journal for myself to see my own progress and to, be aware of what I'm doing and the work that I'm putting in and share with others who want to go on the journey with me. I was doing that about once a week for two years and people started asking me about my process and they kept asking me and kept asking me. And so I'm like, okay, I, I can do this. I can share what I've learned and teach it. And I had an e-course before that about how to freelance years ago too. And so I was already in this like e-course world. That was uh, and, pre freelance. Yeah. Yeah. So I had freelance teaching early graphic designers how to start freelancing, which I actually don't have anymore because I wanted to put my focus on this. And um, so I already was like, I want to make passive income and I want to teach. And so um, when people kept asking me about my process, I'm like, okay, I'm going to run a beta course of this and see if test it out, see if anyone's interested. And when I announced it, I had people messaging me and they're like, well, finally, <laughs> Finally, you're coming out with the course. So I figured, okay, yeah. I guess it's the right time. People wanted it. And um, I gave the people what they wanted. So. 
That's great. Like yeah, that. no, that's, uh, I mean, it seems like a very natural fit. I love how it's branded just as like, you know, I think that kind of goes without saying that the actual uh, coursework looks beautiful. Um, I also love the tagline, um, on, like you're like, a, what is it? Uncertified? Like, um, oh, yeah. Love that. I think that's that will that will be coming more to the forefront um, in the coming year or so. We've been working behind the scenes on a, that because we were realizing that that whole thing I was talking about earlier. So earlier yep. in our conversation about people thinking they need more certifications or thinking yep. they need more knowledge before yes. they start getting started. And we're like, you know what? The job is actually not knowing. And you can rely on the thing that you already have, which is your curiosity. And if you do that, you can go way farther than collecting all this information and knowledge that you think you have and then not actually acting upon it. So that's it. Can I go a little bit into the weeds on like the strategy that, um, you know, uh, Marks and Maker kind of like stands for in the course kind of anchors on like give more value, save time and sell with in integrity. Um, do you mind just giving like a high level overview of each of those like three things and, you know, like basically what, like what, you, how your career has helped shape those three things as the, what you anchor, um, this course on and like your ultimate like brand strategy. Yeah. So the first one you said, give more, give more value. value. Yep. Yeah. I think that, uh, well, and this came from my own story too, is that I felt like I wasn't. I didn't know how to give more value. And in my head, if I gave more value to my clients, I'd be able to work on bigger projects and I'd be able to be paid more. I mean, really when it comes down to it, I'm like, I would be valued by getting a higher paycheck or getting paid more for my client if I was able to um, give more value. And so I learned what that was. And it was actually, again, shifting the lens from it's not about me and what I'm delivering. It's about my client and helping my client get to where they want to be. That's what's valuable. My client that's sitting right in front of me is valuable. Their goal is valuable. That's what I should be focusing on. So I think the idea of value, um, I've heard this from so many creatives of like, I want to be more valuable. I want to give more value because it's like they have all this creativity and these talents and these skills, but they don't feel like they're being utilized. It's like a creative stuck in uncreative work. And I think a lot of us have been there where I, I used to use the term order taker a lot. Like you just get into a job just to be told what to do when you've worked so hard to be a creative and to harness your creative thinking and your curiosity. And then you're not utilized for it. Like that's an, un that feels like you're undervalued. And so yeah. I think a lot of us creatives, um, felt that way. No, that, that's a, that's, I, I love that. I think it makes a ton of sense. Um, so the second one was, um, saving time, which is interesting, right? Because if you think about saving time, like, that is like the ultimate sign of respect in a lot of ways, right? Where you're not, you're being upfront and honest with like how you're spending your time. Um, and you're also making sure, does this also get into a little bit of like making sure you're getting compensated for your time appropriately? Or is this, is that different? Uh, I think with the saving time bit, at least how it relates in, into my own story too, and why I think I use that is that I used to waste a lot of time in when I was doing brand identity that I would waste a lot of time working out like three different concepts, like showing them almost finished concepts before they even went to the client and spending so much time in that only to present it to the client and, and no fault to the client. They go, cool. Can we Frankenstein together these three concepts? Because I think with the, I like this part in this and this part in this. 
And then we go into endless revisions, trying to hit a target that we don't know what exactly it is. And so when I say saving time, it's like, you know where you're headed, you know what done looks like, you know how to measure success. Therefore, we know when we're hitting it, we know when we don't. And so a simple example is I used to show three fleshed out brand identities, like really fleshed out and finished, presented them beautifully and everything now, or when I did work on, I don't work on design anymore, but when I moved into strategy um, and I was still offering design, I only showed one logo concept and one concept for the whole brand identity. And the client was like, yep, that's it. Because we did all this work up front to make sure that we were headed in the right direction, that by the time I got to the identity, they were on board. And it wasn't this endless cycle of revisions, even if they had some revisions and that was fine. It did not go into the endless death cycle of revisions. Well, it's almost like you were doing the process designer, so. three, t- three times, like in parallel, right? Like if you have three oh, different yeah. concepts, yeah. like that's three different brand identities, three different options. And then it's like, oh, I want a revision of like, probably a revision of all of them at some point, at some point. But I love the idea of like doing more of that, um, like research or like requirements phase up front, really making sure you understand like that brand's voice versus like doing the parallel rework later on. So I think that's just also just like you being in the, you know, being in the industry and changing and iterating on your process is also huge, which is great. Cause it's not like, this is the first version. This is probably this, this course. And probably like what your current version is like the thousandth iteration of like your process. If you think about all the small tweaks that you've made throughout your career, um, that's that, that one makes total sense. So that thanks for explaining the save time. And then the last one is uh sell with integrity, which I think is incredibly interesting for a lot of reasons. Like the other thing that you had on uh, the site when I remember looking at it was uh, selling doesn't have to be salesy, which I love. Like, I think if you're selling something, you can also be a storyteller. Like you can create that emotional connection. Um, so tell me a little bit more about sell with integrity. Yeah. Um, and I think this was actually from specifically the sales portion, the sales module. Um, and we have found that, again, like pulling from my own story, mm-hmm. I used to want to present like, here's my process and here's why you should hire me. And it felt, um, it felt a little like I was like, not that I was bragging about myself, but like, here's why you should hire me. And it felt weird to me. And it was like, I was posing as something I'm not like trying to be professional and trying to say the right things. And when I really sat down and thought about it, it's like, I'm not being me. And I, but I thought that's the way you should sell. But then when we approach it more as like, Hey client, what are you trying to do? What do you want? How do you know when you're going to get there? Am I able to help you with that? Potentially, but let's focus on you for a while and switch that from trying to present and and be like, look how great my process is and what it's going to do for you too. Hey client, what is it that you want? And just being open and curious and, there for the client and trying to seek to understand them, it's a different feeling inside. It is a completely different feeling than when you're trying to pose as some professional that has the best process in the world. It's like, just be a human and ask some really good questions and help the client potentially see something they might've not before, but just seek seek to understand them, to listen to them, to understand them and see if what you do can actually help them get to where they're going. And if you want to do that too, yeah. like, do you truly want to work with the person? Are you excited about the project? Yeah, that's great. I think that, that's a great summary. Um, 
we kind of, I just was super interested in the way that was positioned. So we just went over, give more value, save time, self integrity. Um, that's super cool. So just to, just to wrap, I want to ask you a question that is like, if you could give anybody listening or watching advice on like one tip to improve their like mental health, like what would it be? One tip to improve their mental health. Um, they're enough as they are right now. They have enough. You have enough to go to the next step, whatever that next step is for you. But you, you have enough. You are not lacking. You, even though you might feel it, I understand that you might feel it. But to if you can get to a place where you know that you are enough, you have enough. You have enough knowledge. You have enough knowledge to go out and take a risk to fail, to fall down and to learn from it. You have enough to go out there and do that right now. Brilliant. Thanks, Melinda. This was, this was like another amazing episode. We'll definitely have you back. Like there's, it's a hundred percent guaranteed. Thank um, you. Thanks Melinda for the time. Um, everyone, you can go check out marksandmaker.com for like anything we talked about. There'll be a ton of show notes. I'll link some other stuff um, that Melinda's done. She has like a really cool portfolio of different projects she's worked on. Um, over time. But thanks again for joining and we will catch you on the next episode of Design Huddle. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Design Huddle. The opinions expressed are solely our own and do not express the views or opinions of our employer.